Welcome back to the Black Menace Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Weaver, and I have my other host here. Nate Bird. Happy to be on the show as always. Yes. Nate, do you want to take us away with the Menace moment for yep. today? I'm going to jump right into our Menace of the Week. Uh, and this week, you know, in honor of her recent album, we're going to do Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter. Oh, full government. Full <laughs> government name. All right. She's actually named after her mother. Uh, Tina Knowles, and I guess her middle name is Beyonce. I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't know if that was a typo. Or Does she spell it like Beyonce? No, it's spelled with like an I instead of oh, O. Oh, okay. According to the website. I don't know. It might have been a typo, but we're just going to go with what it said. Kay. So her middle name is Beyonce, and so uh, she named her daughter Beyonce. Um, and then, so Beyonce's career started when she was very young. She entered a talent show. I think she's about eight or nine. Uh, she entered a talent show and she got a standing ovation from mm. everybody there uh, for her version of John Legend's Imagine. And so after that, her father, Matthew Knowles, decided to um, continue to enroll her in more competitions. And she ended up winning 35 competitions in a row. Mm. Right? And then um, <clears throat> she formed a, a girl group called Girls Time when she was nine years old with some of her childhood friends. And, um, you know, they, they did some little things here and there. And when they were 12 or when Beyonce was 12, they did a stint on the show Star Search, which is like an old school show mm. where, you know, they would look for the next up and coming star, kind of like the precursors to like American Idol and America's Got Talent, all that kind of stuff. And they lost in the final of Dang. that to a rock band, I think called Skeleton Crew or something like that. I don't know if I've ever How heard rock that. band losing to little girls. Mm. I mean, winning over little girls. <laughs> that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. Well, you know, hey. I don't know who they are, and I know who Beyonce is. So exactly. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that that group, um, you know, they were they didn't do as well, and so they rebranded um, with just three or four of them in 1997 as Destiny's Child, and they signed to Columbia Records, and the rest is kind of history, right? They launched a wildly successful career, had tons and tons of hits, and then in 2003, Beyonce launched a solo career while Destiny's Child was on a hiatus, and um, released. Her first solo album, which was Dangerously in Love, uh, which did very, very well. And then in 2008, she married Jay-Z. Um, I guess she How might old have, was she at the time? In 2008, she would have been... Sorry, uh, you might not know. Making me do math. I think she was like 18. What? No, that didn't, that's not right. Hold on. Because she's in her 40s now. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. She, okay, so Beyonce's 40 now. It's 2022. She was born in 1981. So in 2001, she would have been 20 years old. So she would have been 27. Okay. Okay. She was 27, but she met him, I guess, at first when he when she was she was 18. Yeah. She met him in 2000, and they got married in 2008. But I don't think they like dated. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like some point after that they got married or whatever. Um, but yeah, because so he was with Aaliyah. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. People are always like, if Aaliyah didn't die, Beyonce mm-hmm. and him wouldn't be together. Wait, was that that was post R. Kelly? Yeah, I believe so. Because oh yeah, that was way po- yeah. Because I imagine Jay Z wasn't dating children, but R. Kelly was. Yeah, anywho, well, child. Moving on, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, just some fun facts about Beyonce. Um, she uh, was the first solo artist ever to have six consecutive albums debut at number one on the Billboard 200, which is crazy. That's a lot of like to have six albums in a row debut at number one like not climb their way mm-hmm. up but like start at the top um, she's the only solo artist mm. that, or, i'm sorry not the only but the first solo artist to ever have that happen 
Um, she's the most nominated Grammy artist ever with oh, 79 wow. Grammy nominations. And she's also the winningest or the most decorated artist ever with 28 Grammys. Mm. Only Mariah Carey and her have had number one songs across four decades, which is mm. pretty cool. So no other artist has ever had a song, a number one song um, in four different decades, but Mariah Carey and Beyonce have. Um, she also has her own record label and clothing line. Uh, you may be familiar with her clothing line, Ivy Park. And then her record label um, is where Chloe and Hallie were signed to. Oh, yeah. Um, and now they're doing their own thing. Um, she was asked to play the lead. I didn't know this. She was asked to play the lead in the movie A Star is Born oh, originally. I and then uh, they, they went with Lady Gaga, I guess. Um, which, you know, to be honest, you can't have everything. One of Beyonce's talents <laughs> is not acting. Bless yeah. her heart. So it's probably Wasn't she in a different Gaga movie, though? Oh, yeah. She's been in a few different movies. Yeah. She was in The Lion King and she was in, is it Obsessed or, I think it was called Obsession or something like that. It was a movie with Idris Elba was the yes, husband and Beyonce. Yes, I remember yeah. this. I've seen clips of it off of, in, I've never actually seen it. I want to see it, but I've seen you know, clips of it off of TikTok. You could watch it for the experience, but you know, Idris Elba carried that movie. I'll just say that. <laughs> but, it, you know, watch it for the experience. Um, maybe that'll be my recommendation for today. But yeah, so she was in. Uh, she was asked to play that lead, and then she has performed twice in the Super Bowl halftime show. Also a big deal. And her self-titled album, Beyonce, has a Guinness World Record for the fastest-selling album, with eight hundred thousand copies sold in three days. Dang, which is wild. And while Beyonce has I love her that own, album, what's up? I love that album. It's a good one. Um, yeah, and while she has, uh, she has her own line of perfumes. They're made with special ingredients um, to keep her from breaking out in rashes because she is allergic to perfume. Oh. And uh, I guess when she helped write a song for Destiny's Child, um, the word bootylicious is in that song. And so they are credited with like inventing the word bootylicious mm. in the, the dictionary now. That's so funny. And this one's kind of cool. Last but not least, um, there's a species of fly named after Beyonce. What? Right. Yeah, crazy, right? So uh, it says that a scientist, Brian Lescard, or Lessard, discovered a species of horsefly in northern Queensland, Australia in 2012. And because of the golden hairs on the fly's abdomen, he named it Scaptia Bianche or Beyonce. Um, okay. Yeah. So no, okay, because of that name, it has a reputation as like the diva of the insect world, <laughs> which is kind of funny. That is funny. Yeah. So that is uh, some fun facts about Beyonce, and um, to all those people out there who are saying that she's overrated, I don't know mm, what y'all are talking about. Definitely. Yeah. That I've been seeing that on TikTok a little too much. Yeah. It's y'all just haters because you can't just say that somebody's overrated because they're wildly popular. Uh, there are plenty of people who are popular who are actually overrated, Beyonce right. is not one of them. Not she, at all. She has the stats to back it up. The she vocals. She has the talent. Right. She's had a very long career, much longer than most people in the, the industry today. And mm -hmm. she's still relevant, which is also another thing. There are plenty of artists who have been around for a long time but are not relevant. Nobody's looking for Bow Wow right now. Nobody's right? checking for Ludacris. Thank you. Nobody's not in a bad way. Like He's still <laughs> right. a celebrity and important and yeah. what, not knocking his contributions to the rap. Mm -hmm. but, but he's not at the top of the no. game. Not that he producing knows. right you know so beyonce is not overrated no, uh -huh. i'm just gonna put that out there now hot take on the day hot take we're gonna have some, we're gonna have some hot take yeah. we decided we're gonna we're add gonna start doing this. it won't necessarily be a segment but, but we'll, we'll be having some hot takes hot take mm -hmm. so in regards ahead, to this Nate. yeah i'm gonna go first and then we'll uh -huh, let you go because you're more controversial no no you want to you should go first okay yeah my hot take is i think that harry styles is overrated 
I'll agree with that. Do you want to explain why? I say this because, number one, people who like him like him a lot. And, okay, here's the thing. I don't have any problem when your fans really, really, really like you. Mm-hmm. But his fans are just so niche. And the people who really support him act like he is doing something different and doing something new. And I think in certain ways, yes, he is like, he's less gender conforming, Mm -hmm. air quote, right, than other artists, but also he's not the first and the only to do that. Look at Prince, look at Michael Jackson in certain ways. Like there are other artists who have done similar things Mm -hmm. in the past. And if anything, when they did it in like the 80s, that was more, um, I think, breaking barriers than even now. Right. Also his... That's a good point. Yeah. Also his fan base is very niche. Like it's like liberal white women who like him. Not saying there aren't people of color who support him and like him. There are. Mm-hmm. Not saying there aren't conservative women who like him and support him. There are. But I'm just saying most of the people that he appeals to at this time is a very small group, which is fine. But he cannot... Like I saw somebody... They were saying that he's like the next king of pop. That's a very large statement to make yeah. for me because in order to be any example... Harry Styles cannot perform at the Super Bowl. Nobody would know his music other than girls in a certain age. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like example, Beyonce. Everyone listens to Beyonce music. Old men, women, like multiple people like Beyonce's yeah, music. There's like a crossover. There's there. a crossover of generations. In order to do that, you have to be able to target and your music has to be, what's the word when you're able to, I don't know, multiple generations need to like you more than just women need to be your fan base. Mm -hmm. And he's just not there yet. And so I think that's very premature. I'm not saying he doesn't have the capabilities. I'm just saying I don't know if that title fits him at this particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, If we were picking best pop artists of today, I would have to say Doja Cat. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion, though. I'll take that. Yeah, And I have to agree with that. Yeah, to say overrated, that's not saying that we're not saying the artist is... Um, we're not saying that Harry Styles is a bad artist, but we're not means. talented. I've listened to his entire album. It's a, it's a good album. You know, I enjoyed it. It's fun listening, but it's not something I'm going to seek out, and it's also not something that has a lot of crossover appeal. Like I feel like the difference is like, you know, with an artist like Beyonce, there are people from all demographics, all age groups, people all over mm-hmm. the world know who Beyonce is, and they're going to listen to her. Michael Jackson, same thing. And there's a lot of other artists that have that crossover appeal. Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj has that. Well, maybe not as much Nicki Minaj. I don't know. Really? I don't think she has as much crossover appeal. Like, I feel like... Okay, on, on what level? Because I think internationally she is very popular. Would you say gender-wise, maybe? You, I would. I could take that argument. Yeah, I would say maybe gender-wise. Okay, I then, could take, yes. Yeah, maybe like outside of America, I don't know if she'd be as big as like a oh. Beyonce. You know what I mean? I don't agree with that. Okay. Did you see her rolling out loud in London? No, I didn't. I, maybe I just don't know her as well. Okay. Blue I'm blue. just very, I love Nicki Minaj. You should have seen her rolling loud in London. Like they had all the white girls screaming at the top of their lungs, all her mm-hmm. lyrics. Interesting, so. interesting. Okay, good to know. Well, I just I didn't know that, so I'm wrong on Nicki Minaj, but that's just Sorry, me. Sorry, I, I defend her me, a little too much. For me, I don't listen to her as much. But Right, and that's yeah. why I say I'll take mm-hmm. the gender. If, if someone said gender, I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. No, I have a lot of respect for her, but I'll definitely, like, I'll bump Meg Thee Stallion more than I would Nicki Minaj. Okay. That's just me. But uh, here's my hot take. I think Here and, go. and get ready, okay? You're going to make a lot of people upset. I think, yeah, I am. But, I don't, I, you know, it's all right because they can feel how they feel and I feel how I want to feel. I think that Taylor Swift is overrated. No. My explanation for this mm-hmm, I'm, I'm ready. is that Taylor Swift has not done anything for music as a whole. Is she a good artist? Yes. Is she an excellent songwriter? Yes. However, her music is not like changing the 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 structure of music it's not 
altering she's not setting trends right she's not out here like doing anything that like would solidify her as as you know one of the greatest artists of all time now she has a very solid fan base who love her to death um but as far and, and also there there's not a lot of crossover either now i will say i enjoy taylor swift's classic stuff you know i'll go back and listen to teardrops on my guitar i'll listen to her red album i'll listen to all of that and i really enjoy it right it's good stuff however i'm not gonna sit here and act like she's this amazing life-changing uh crazy good artist who is just like changing the game left and right i don't Mm. think that that's the case um and yeah, honestly, I'd be forgetting that she exists until you know something something oh happens <laughs> with her, you know, whether it's it's getting interrupted by Kanye or oh. or whatever. And uh, we, you know, well, as far as he goes, he's an interesting person. But what are you yeah. gonna say? I was gonna say I think this brings up the idea like what characterizes like an artist as like because some people would say people that I know that are her stands. Mm-hmm. She has just evolved as an artist, right? Oh, yeah, in, in the sense of like the way that she's been able to transform her lyricism and things like that i think that's what a lot of her fans look at and look Mm. at that's her impact right and that's her mark and her legacy in the music industry is the way that she has been able to transform over the years because she has also been in the game a really long time and has been making music probably for like maybe what is this a decade now two decades i think two decades yeah because her like her first yeah that's what i say yeah so i think that's what other people say would say but I do agree that I don't think she's doing anything that's like changing right. things mm-hmm. in the way that other people who are considered goats are. Like Kanye, right. crazy or not, whatever he's been through, mm-hmm. he is goaded in what he yeah. has done for the music industry and the way he produces tracks. Yep. Uh, same with Beyonce. She has changed a lot of things in terms of just someone's longevity mm-hmm. in the music industry. Same with Nicki Minaj. All the female rappers we have today yep. would not be here, would be not as popular as they are if it wasn't for Nicki doing what she did. Yeah. And I think, so I guess we can talk about this really quick, but like for me, the things that make an artist um, musically, I feel like there's a few different components that you have to have to really, like for me to like truly consider you a great artist. You know, like, you know, there's people that I can appreciate or whatever, but I'll never hold them in like as high of esteem as I would as someone else. But I think you have to have, um, one, your lyricism has to be on point. You have to be able to write, um, you know, be like, uh, like lyricism and creativity, those kind of yes. mesh together, right? You have to mm-hmm. be creative with what you do with your music as well as be able to create your own music and like write it well, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why to me, like Drake will never be like a goat. You know what I mean? Like he is. A lot of people disagree with that, but well, okay. In terms of like being who he is, he is like a mega star. He's right? like a brand and a celebrity. Yeah, everybody so. knows who he is. Everybody, like, you know, I have a lot of respect for what he's done for the game. And I was listening to somebody. I think it was Young Thug who was talking about Drake and saying like he he knows who he is and he knows that like he can blow somebody up just with being on a track so like yes. he'll jump on a track with a newer artist knowing full well that that track is going to turn them into a superstar right yeah. so like he had like he's like you said he's created a brand so he is amazing in that respect but in terms of like artistry he doesn't like he you know he doesn't really create his own beats as far as i know um he doesn't write his own lyrics as far as i know he might write some of them but like a lot of the hits that he produces there's a whole team of people working yeah. behind that right and so i'm not going to put him on the same level of respect as i would an artist like um like kendrick lamar where he like 
from start to finish he's a part of the creative process you know and he like has a theme and an idea to everything that he does and there's a right. message behind it all right so uh, in terms of like creativity lyricism and then also this is a big thing the ability to perform and that's yeah, what i think that's a whole category exactly right and so that for that reason i i tend i have the maybe there's another hot take but female rappers in general are far better artists than most male rappers i agree um and the only reason that they're not as big is because of patriarchy yep. misogyny and sexism within the, the music um the music industry yep um because they're a far better artist if you take megan the stallion i'll put megan the stallion up against like 95 percent of, of rappers in the game right now and she's gonna win every time same with Nicki minaj same with cardi b like they're better performers yep more entertaining artists. yeah they're more entertaining like i would much rather go and watch them perform than I would to go watch, I don't know, like Migos, where they just like stand there and shout in the microphone and maybe yeah, like jump like, up and down every I once hate in a while. Some or male like, rappers, all they do is bring their little team out, yeah. throw some little fireworks up, uh-huh. and do like the the little, like the DJ little, like the little noises they be making, all like <laughs> yeah. the things. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> and like they'll take their shirt That's off. All they like, do. Have one, like they'll have on like some shiny jewelry and like take their and shirt their off. And their wife beat her yeah, on. Yeah, like I'm sagging weak. their jeans and just like jump around the stage. It's like, yes. I don't, like this is a con- I, I came to be entertained. This is, I'm just, I could listen to this music at home and get the same effect. You know? Right. So. Yeah, for those reasons, yeah, there's I feel not like many men on my list of concerts I want to go to. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna be honest, right? No, and, and I, I listen to male artists. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I like I went so over the summer. I went to a couple different concerts. I went to go see a concert. Um, I took my wife for her birthday, but it was uh, a concert that has Summer Walker, Jasmine Sullivan, Saucy Santana, Dochi. And I oh, Dochi is good. Yeah. I saw her perform. She's mm-hmm. actually a very good performer. She has, yeah, she has a lot of energy. And that's what I'm yes. talking about. Like a lot, I feel like a lot of other artists don't have that energy, right? Mm, and then no, I went to don't. a Kendrick Lamar concert, um, and Baby mm, Keem was Baby there, Keem. and Tana Leone, who was like a newer up and coming artist. Yeah, and you know he's a cool dude, but and his music was pretty good. But as far as stage presence, he had none. This man was up there doing the Irish jig, like what? on stage. I don't even like. He was like bouncing around. I was like, "What is this man doing?" Not the Irish and then Kendrick jigs. comes out, and Kendrick has the visuals. He has like the dance aspect a little bit. He's got all these kind of different things going around. And I'm like, man, that's that's what makes an artist. Even if you're you an really opener, perform. you got to step it up. Right. Yeah. And he was the opener, and this man, he wasn't he wasn't doing it for me. I was like, I appreciate the music. You know, I listen to a couple of songs. I'll scan the QR code that you have up there. But as far as like respect for you as an artist not quite and even baby mm-hmm. king like baby king was good but he wasn't on the same level as you know as, as somebody else would be. i'm gonna be honest when i went to that concert i couldn't hear because so many of the white people were so excited <laughs> for baby king that i couldn't even yeah. hear baby king all i heard was the white people in my ear mm-hmm. and i went to the concert here in salt lake and they were more excited to see baby, baby king than they were king. kendrick lamar I don't know when I'm not happened. even playing with you. Mm-hmm. I was like, why do y'all know every single Baby Keem song, but y'all don't know all these Kendrick Lamar songs? Yeah, I don't know when that happened. I'm not sure when. when it it's like Travis that. Scott. There's certain artists that just become yeah. the white people rapper. I guess it's just a certain kind of sound. Yes. That appears. I don't know. But yeah, Kanye is like that. Baby Keem is like that now. Travis Scott. I don't even know who Kanye else. West is like every white boy who likes rap and Kendrick Lamar. No offense. Yeah. Like I said, on my close friends one time, if I had a dollar <laughs> for every white man or every boy who's yeah. like a Kendrick Lamar fan, Kid Cudi fan, Kanye fan, like that mm. little like group or J. Cole, like that trifecta of like these are the genius. Mm. I don't listen to little Uzi types. I'd be rich. Interesting. And see, I also, I don't, I don't, I won't say J. Cole is overrated. But I don't think he's as good as people give him credit for. I think he I'm not getting in this conversation because <laughs> I'm not trying to have the J. Cole stands come for me. Uh-uh. Uh, I don't care. They can come for me. I'm what they gonna do. But 
Yeah, same thing. Yeah, you're there. trying to fight. I'm, I'm not I trying guess. to fight. I, I guess. I'm just putting all my opinions out there. But yeah, I, I, you know, J. Cole is good. He's good. But also, he just, I mean, it's the same. Like his cadence is the same. He raps the same. I don't know. He don't switch it up. It's just the same thing every no time. No comment. Yeah. From the peanut gallery. <laughs> All right, that's enough hot takes yes. for today. <laughs> okay, we will reel it into topic of today. Okay, so today um, we actually wanted to talk about something that came up in the news recently. What was it like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe? But this um, student at USC, Princess, she actually is one of my sands. She crossed um, into Delta at the same time as me. And she goes to, yeah, the University of Southern California. And she's a dancer. She's danced her entire life. She's actually from Chicago as well. Okay. Yeah. And she went to a performing arts high school, um, one of the really big ones. And so she's been dancing. She, like, learned majorette style dancing, actually, when she was um, growing up because she grew up in, like, an all-black family. And so when she went to USC, there's no majorette team there, which if you don't know what a majorette team is, it's a style of dance that comes from, I think it's a specific like style of dance, comes from, I think, what school is it, Jackson State? Mm. Yeah, I think that's what, it, what school it comes from. There a specific, there's a specific school that started it, and then other HBCUs, which are historically black colleges and universities, adopted majorette teams in that similar style of dancing. So, and so yeah, so you can only find these teams at HBCUs. So when she went to USC, which is a PWI, they didn't have one there, and she decided that she wanted to start one at her school. So she did, and they debuted the team, the Cardinal Divas, I think that's their name, and they debuted them a couple weeks ago, and they went viral. Viral in positive and negative ways. Black Twitter was in an uproar. She was, it was on the shade room, everything. Mm. And it kind of started this debate about bringing, you know, traditionally black things, things that are traditionally found at HBCUs to predominantly white schools, and like people's opinions and thoughts on it people varied in their interpretation of what it was whether they thought what she was doing was okay whether they supported her her whether they didn't and you know it brought up that you know every two years black twitter has the same fight um if black students should go to a pwi or they should go to hbcu and mm-hmm. um i've listened to people on both sides thoughts and arguments and i think both sides have valid points and valid opinions about it but um that's my soror, so I'm gonna support her all day. So good job, Princess. And I think what she did was very historic. And I mean, going to a PWI, knowing how hard it is to start anything for your own culture, it's very difficult. You have a lot of, you know, political red tape you have to go through. There's a lot of barriers. White people, for the most part, who run these schools don't even understand what you're talking about or why you want to do it. And so whether you agree with what she did or not, at the end of the day, I do think that what she did was impressive and historic. And I'm going to support a black woman doing something great and amazing, no matter um, what it is. So kudos to her. They even mm-hmm. they've got they've had several articles written about them. They're on the Jennifer Hudson show. I, don't, I think they're also on the news somewhere. So they're getting everywhere. A lot of press. Jennifer Huston, if you're listening to this, we want to be on the show, too. Invite right. the Black Menaces. Ellen, all y'all. Good morning, America. Good morning, America. Come on. Where's our interview? Right. For real. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm in support of what she's doing. But I, I understand both sides because, yeah. um, you know, the history behind HBCUs. HBCUs exist 
because of racism and white supremacy just like pretty much everything in america exists because of, of some element of racism right but um the reason that those colleges were started was because black people were not allowed to attend white universities yeah like not that they weren't accepted in or anything that they weren't literally not allowed like if you tried to go there um, people wanted to kill you right so um they they created hbcus or historically black colleges and universities so that um, black people could have a, an, an opportunity to go to college to get an education yeah. and then to be able to work, you know, go out into the workforce. And so... And um, HBCUs are responsible for a lot of black professionals. Just want to yeah, put that out there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact statistics, but it's more than half, like, lawyers, doctors, or certain professions. Bless you, bless you. All attend, all attended HBCUs. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, you know, that's the whole reason the HBCUs even exist. And, you know, now HBCUs have been around, you know, some of them have been around for a few decades and then a lot of them have been around for over a century. Right. And so um, at those universities, because it was predominantly black people, a new sort of culture was created, a new sort of tradition. And so there are a lot of things. Um, about the experience of going to a historically black college university that are very unique to that. Um, maybe you've you've seen, um, you know, the marching bands from HBCUs, which are a mm-hmm. huge deal. They are very expressive. They play the instruments differently than a marching band at a predominantly white institution. Um, and then part of that is going to be like the dancers and the majorettes, right? So they have a very unique style of dance mm-hmm. that is um, unique to HBCUs. Um, and it's a part of that culture. And so I can understand the controversy of taking that culture and putting it at a predominantly white institution um, because it raises all sorts of issues. Because obviously, you know, while a lot of things discriminate against black people, they're not going to be able to discriminate the other way, right? So it's, I feel like if there's a if there's a majorette dance team, then it's only a matter of time before um, someone white wants to try out for this this majorette dance team, and then before you know it, you have um, you know white people coming in and taking over this element of uh, traditionally black culture, right? Black American culture. And so I can definitely understand that. And then also, you know, with it just being part of the HBCU experience, if you take that and put it at a predominantly white university, then that takes away from the experience that you would have there. That's unique to that place, you know? So, um, I get it, you know, and I also understand, uh, what was her name? Princess. Yeah. I also understand princess's desire to have that experience at a predominantly white university. So it's a tough situation, but you know, same as Rachel, I'm going to support a black woman. Um, and yeah good yeah. for her yeah it's just it's very hard and i mean i think we i think black students when we decide if we're going to a pwi or hbcu we kind of think about these things right like mm-hmm. there's just a lot to, that goes into it and my friend i talked with her she went to spellman and i talked with her about the situation and she was you know telling me her thoughts as someone who attends the hbcu and i there were things you know i hadn't thought of and she's like well it the the problem is is that HBCUs don't have the resources that PWIs do, and she brought this up because PWIs like not that we want to not every black student doesn't have to attend an HBCU, mm-hmm. but when they don't, at the end of the day, they're taking away um, another great student from an HBCU. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that does make. And so sense. someone who could come to contribute to the school, someone who could you know, eventually donate to the school, someone who could help the school get more, you know, resources or whatever it may be versus, 
you know, going to a PWI, you're helping the school grow that already has a billion dollar endowment, right? I don't know, I just threw that out there. But the endowments at HBCUs are a lot smaller than at giant PWIs. And so another thing she also brought up in particular with this majorette team that's brought there is, that is how a lot of HBCUs get money. It's through their majorette teams, through their marching band teams, being asked to perform places, going out, and so the unique style of dance and what makes HBCU special comes from they receive revenue that way. Mm -hmm. And so when you start adding those things at a PWI, it's also taking away the opportunity for that HBCU to get money and to get more resources, which I hadn't thought of before. And like that's a very valid point, right? Like that is a source of income a way that they can get money and that's um, being taken away from when someone creates that at a PWI and they get those resources, so. Yeah. And to kind of, to, to build off of that a little bit, so I'm, I'm looking at some information about um, just like university endowments, all right? So for, there's I think 100 plus, it's like 108 or something like that, there's like 100 plus HBCUs in the entire country um, and their combined endowment. The endowment is like the amount of money that the university has like at its disposal, you know, from donors and, um, you know, public funding, all those kinds of things. The total endowment for all 100 plus of those universities is like 5 billion, all right? Which sounds like a lot until you split it well, up. That between all the schools. Right, until you split it up between over 100 schools. And then check this out. The endowment for Harvard University, just Harvard, 53 billion. Yale, 42 billion. BYU has a $1.97 billion endowment. So just BYU alone has half the endowment of 100 historically black universities and colleges. And a lot just of this has to do- Just one of our school, just right. this school. And then USC has an endowment of $8.12 billion, right? Which is the school that this issue is um, stemming from, right? So just to kind of see that and see the difference there, how these schools have so much more money and so many more resources mm -hmm. to go off of, um, it's just you know another example of of the the effects of white supremacy. Like it, when we say it really stems into everything, it stems into everything. Which even in, like, oh, sorry, know, go ahead. Like just even our our ability to get educated. Yeah, well, that's part of the reason why people do or don't choose HBCUs. Like mm -hmm. HBCUs are expensive. They yeah. have because their endowments are smaller. The opportunity of scholarship is very small. Like Spelman. I remember, the, I know the most about Spelman because I thought about going there. Really, my, the only friends I knew who got scholarships were people who got over like a 32 on the ACT, mm. which is just in the in, yeah. in any school is a very niche group unless you're going to a very selective university. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a very small amount of people who can get scholarships to get a full ride and unless you get like outside scholarships. And so... Going to an HBCU for me, the thought was kind of like, well, it's either like take out all these loans, or you know, or go to a school that's has a larger endowment where you can get more money, which mm -hmm. is like why people choose private institutions sometimes because private universities normally subsidize a lot more um, than like public ones. But sorry, yeah. I don't know too much about colleges and mm -hmm. funding, but no, yeah, that that's one sense. of the struggles is. At least me, I knew that HBCUs don't have the endowment that mm -hmm. I knew. Like, as someone who got like a twenty-six, it's like okay, I have more opportunities available to me at this school with my ACT and my GPA because they have more money to give, and so it's not just left for only the top students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, the, another thing with HBCUs is that they, 
they have always given uh, students who might not otherwise have the opportunity to get an education. This is true. A chance to get that education, right? Because, you know, historically, black people tend to come from lower income communities, um, communities with, with less access to resources, whether that's food, whether it's education, whether it's, you know, money for the schools, things like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, the performance in school tends to be lower in those areas. And so HBCUs, um, because they accept predominantly um, black or because they have predominantly black people attending those colleges they've always given people who have who maybe don't measure up um, yeah academically yep is given them an opportunity to pursue an education and you know go on to be very successful um and you know even that you know the studies have shown that the tests like the sat and the act and standardized tests are racially biased uh, yep. towards white people same with iq tests right so all those kinds of things it all just adds together but hbcus have always given students with with poor um not to say that that's the only people that go there because no, they're, you know, they're, right. like, there's a wide range but um you know someone who might not be able to get into an mit or a harvard um, we'll have a better chance of getting into an HBCU and receiving a very high caliber yeah, education. Still right, right. getting yeah. quality education. Mm -hmm. And there are so many, you know, it's a huge number of, of black professionals who have come out of HBCUs yep. and, that and gone network. on to do, yeah, gone on to do amazing things. Kamala Harris, she went to Howard University. Yep. And look at her now, vice president, right? So, um, you know, the, being able to, to have those resources at those universities is huge. And, you know, even the government, like doesn't give HBCUs as much money as it should, right? Which needs to change. Yeah, and so it's just there's there's a lot that goes into it, and I think part of the appeal, even still to this day, of what keeps HBCUs thriving is that unique cultural experience that you were talking about, Nate. Is that's what people want, and they know they can't get that at any other time in their life, mm -hmm. and they know that they'll get that in those four years. And I also because it's kind of like, I mean, our listeners who are LDS. It's kind of like why people choose BYU over other schools, right? Like, you know that you'll get to be with people who are like you culturally and, you know, in faith. And you'll have that experience for only these four years. And maybe you'll move away from Utah and you'll be living with people who are not, you know, Christian anymore. But you get that opportunity for four years to be with everyone who's like you. And people want that experience because then those relationships carry with you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. The friends you made and the network you have. So many black professionals come out of HBCUs and help one another. That's one of the things that I look back on. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, yes, I'm definitely sad for the experience, but also like the network that comes out of HBCUs. All my friends that attended HBCUs have jobs at like top 100 companies when they mm -hmm. graduate, yeah. which, you know, is nice. And because there's a ton of people that look out for each other yeah. with that, um, which is nice. And there's, again, like Nate said, so many successful black people that have come from HBCUs that you want to be able to say you went to the same school as that person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I kind of want to talk about, oh. because I see this comment a lot on TikTok. Right? So I think this would be this would be a good thing to talk about. People always say in the comment section when we post a video, they'll be like, oh, but you chose to go there. Or why did you choose to go to BYU? We get that comment a lot. And we've addressed it in the past. Yeah. But I want to address it on the, the podcast, and then we're going to put it out in video form yes. so that everybody can see yes. it and come back to it, right? As a, growing up as a member of the LDS church, BYU is like the holy grail when it comes to education, yeah. right? And so from a very young age, there's like a few different things that we are strongly encouraged to do, right? <laughs> you, you grow up, as a, if you're a man, you serve a mission, right? You spend two years um, like teaching uh, Christianity and, and Mormonism to 
uh, people in, in some part of the world, whether it's in the United States or in another country, anywhere in the world, right? So you're encouraged to serve a mission. You're encouraged to get a good education. And the place where they want you to get a good education is at a school that teaches the same values that you grew up in, right? BYU. BYU and, and BYU. So BYU Provo, BYU Idaho, or BYU Hawaii. But BYU Provo is the main one. And so that's the one that, that everybody wants to go to. Yeah. And so most uh, Mormons are going to apply to BYU uh, because it's kind of the standard. And if you go to BYU, you know, that kind of like boosts your status a little bit in, um, yeah. you know, in the church. And also um, another thing that we're encouraged to do is get married young. Right. They want us to get married young um, and then start popping out children. Right. <laughs> and building up a strong family. And then you bring up your family in the church. Right. And one of the best places to find people who are uh, who believe the same way that you do is going to be BYU. Right. And so a lot of people come to BYU for those specific reasons. Um, and so, you know, when I applied to BYU, um, you know, I was in a very different place, right? A different state of mind. Weren't we all? Weren't we all, right? <laughs> and, you know, at that age, you know, I was I was still living at home. I wasn't a very independent thinker because I was still heavily dependent on, you know, just like the lifestyle that I had at home and trusting my parents and, and things like that. And so when it came time to apply to colleges, I applied to BYU. I got into BYU and I came to BYU. And then once I got here, that's when I found out that things that I was told about BYU and then the way that things actually were was very different, right? And I think, um, you know, a lot of people kind of have those moments where they'll make a choice based on what they've heard. And then, you know, when the consequences of that choice come to fruit or come to bear, they realize that uh, it's very different than what they were promised or what they believe. You know, this happens all the time with like multi-level marketing companies. Not to say that BYU is an MLM, but it's kind of like the same thing where you like start something and it works for some people, but for a lot of people, it may not be um, the best option. So that's why I ended up at BYU, not because I was like, oh, I am going to BYU. It's the only place for me, but it was because that was what I was told all my life. Yeah. And it's where I ended up, right? And then once I was here, yes, I could have transferred, but transferring is not an easy thing to do, right? No. It takes work. And I was already here. I already had my credits. And then one thing that we're always told, too, is that um, a lot of places don't tra like they don't accept BYU credits um, for for whatever reason. I don't know. Or, like, it's hard to transfer those credits. So, like, you know, I was always told, like, oh, if you transfer somewhere else, you're going to have to start over, right? And so by the time I realized that BYU might not be the best place for me, it was kind of already too late. I was like a sophomore, almost about to be a junior. And so I just stayed. I stuck it out. I got my degree and now I'm out of there and I'm not going back. Right. But that's why I went to BYU. And um, I think that people need to realize that you can't just blame somebody for saying, hey, you chose to be there. Sometimes we end up in situations that we don't know what we're getting ourselves into or that we didn't want to be in the first place or we weren't given all the information. And then we just have to make the best of the situation that we're in. Also, you know what? I'll let you share, and then we'll come back to this point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, same thing. BYU is, um, you know, the flagship school of the church, and um, we're all encouraged to go there. And um, I feel like I grew up in a pretty open ward, open mind. But at the same time, even though that's kind of, like, open, it was still encouraged, and I felt like people – were worried for you in your faith if you didn't go to BYU, right? Mm -hmm. Like people were very nervous. They're like, oh, why are you not going to go there? And if you didn't go to BYU Provo, well, you have to go to Idaho at least, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's interesting. And I think what's interesting is like financially, 
now that I'm in college, like definitely was like a good choice yeah. and not a bad one at all. But I think at the time, finances weren't in the forefront of my mind as much. I mean, they were a little bit. Like that was definitely, I was like, okay, I want to take out a loan for BYU and I will for this school um, in the way that it is now that I'm actually like in school, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, leading up to choosing BYU and versus like choosing other schools when I considered other schools, BYU is really painted as if like the only place that you can continue your faith, which is not true. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that narrative is harmful. And I think that we need to kind of change that. Um, at least as someone who didn't grow up in Utah, right? I guess it's right, different right. growing up out here. Because other people they go from Arizona, Idaho, go to other schools. But where I'm from, you're just so far removed from the church that it's like, well, yeah, obviously you're going to go there because you need to recreate. You need to go there in order to you know meet that person mm-hmm. so you can move away and have that Mormon life that you want to have. And it felt as almost if that wasn't possible if you moved away, if you didn't go to BYU. Yeah, for sure. Um, which you know, isn't true. And I know a lot of people that didn't go to BYU who are very faithful. Um, my best friend, she didn't go to BYU. She went to Columbia. She's still there in her final year. Her, she met her husband, not at BYU. He went to U Chicago. You're right. He also didn't go to BYU. They both went to like Ivy Leagues, you know, mm, got to have the impressive. Ivy babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, that's a possibility. But mm-hmm. I think that people really you know, and it's interesting even hearing her and her friends talk about it just because, like, the dating pool is smaller out there. Mm-hmm. And, like, just it's just interesting things. Nothing wrong with either one, but um, just some interesting things that I've noticed. For sure. For and what sure. thought were you, did you have? Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, if you are judging people for being at a place that isn't great for them, I think you need to st- take a step back and think about what you're really saying. Because a place like BYU, it's not very welcoming to marginalized communities, right? It's not very welcoming to people of color. It's not very welcoming to queer people. Uh, but if your advice to someone who is struggling with discrimination at a place like BYU is to just leave, then you need to rethink what you're saying. Because what you're saying is, if this is a place that isn't welcoming to all people, then you should just leave and not try to make it a place that's welcoming. You should just preserve yeah. it in what it is. And you may not be trying to say that on purpose but what you're really saying is don't try and make this place better just give up go somewhere else and allow it to be what it is and you know i can understand that there's a place for that however as people i think it's kind of our natural instinct to just kind of take what we've been given and make the best of it um and so a lot of us at byu are fighting to make it a place that is safer and fighting to make it a place that is more inclusive for people of color for um you know people who are marginalized so that you know people who come there in the future don't have to have the same starting revelations that we had showing up and realizing hey this place isn't as great as it was you know drawn up to be right and so um you know just like there are always people who forge the paths ahead um, there always has to be that so that people who follow can have a much better experience. If we all just give up, then the problem is just going to continue to be there. The only way that change is going to be made is if we're actively like taking steps to make it better, right? Imagine if, uh, you know, maybe it's a poor example, but imagine if, you know, Martin Luther King had just decided to give up, right? Yes, oh. we are MLK. <laughs> imagine if he just decided to give up. You know, the, you know, maybe some of the things that happened 
wouldn't have taken place, right? Maybe the Civil Rights Act might not have been passed. Who knows? Maybe somebody else would have stepped up and taken that mantle. But somebody had to step up. Somebody had to take lead. There had to be people like Ida B. Wells, John Lewis, Rosa Parks, who stirred up good trouble in order to make, you know, or to create more opportunities um, for for black people, right? Same thing at BYU. There have to be people there to stir up good trouble in order to make it a better place, right? And so by the time y'all listen to this, we'll have already had our uh, our protest to strike out queer phobia. But that is tomorrow, Tuesday, the 11th, and we're very excited for it. So by the yeah. time you listen to this, you should have heard all about it and uh, be looking out on social media for things like that too. Yeah, and the only thing I want to add to what Nate said, which was beautiful, is that having compassion for people and understanding the places they're at. Um, some people don't even realize they're part of a marginalized identity until they get to college, right? If the, you know, they um, discover they're part of the LGBTQ plus community and um, also understanding that people have different interpretations of what their reality will be before something actually happens, right? I think we always think that, oh, it's gonna be like this, or oh, it'll look like this. And then you get to a place or you end up in a situation and things are different than what you believed and your only option is to make things better like you were saying Nate and so I think that also it's always easier to judge from the outside looking in Mm -hmm. and it's always easier to judge saying oh well if I was there I would do this and we always have a lot to say when we aren't put in that position and I'm trying to be better at this personally but you don't know what it's like to be in that position until you're in it and you have the same circumstances and the same issues and the same problems all impacting you and so i think there also needs to be a lot of compassion and understanding people who are in situations like being at a byu right there's a lot that led us up to this point and there's a lot that's keeping people in certain positions and just encouraging people to want to make the best like nate was saying of their situation um no one should be knocked down for that and if anything we should encourage that because we want all spaces where all people are to be a place that people can feel comfortable to be themselves Mm -hmm. and come forward, especially like in the church in particular, we should encourage that LDS people, you and your congregations, you should want any and all of God's children to show up as they are to be a part of Zion. That's what we want. Y'all want, I don't know what to say, but that's what you want. And so if that's what you want, your actions need to reflect that. And that means that you're, you're okay with some self critique and being willing to be called out so that, you can be better. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, got anything else? No, that's it for today. Cool. I think that's about it. Um, do we want to do our recommendations? Yeah, Nate? let's do our recommendations real quick. You want to start us off? Yeah. So my recommendation for this week, a new movie just dropped on Netflix. It was actually like written by Kid Cudi, which is... Oh, yeah. I, um, I, yes. Yeah, but it's like a little cartoon black love story. I watched it today. It's called Intergalactic. But it's spelled enter with an E, E N T E R, Galactic. Um, and it was just a dope movie. It was a vibe. It was cool. I enjoyed it. I recommend that you check it out. It's called Enter Galactic on Netflix. That's my recommendation for the week. Okay, mine. I'm going to do something with music because we talked about a lot of music. All right, um, all right. And yeah, I like these because they're getting to know us personally. And so this is one mm. of my favorite artists this year. I really turned into like an R&B girl this past year. Sorry. I think it's because I was having a lot of sad days. So um, <laughs> um, one of my, well, she's kind of alternative. I don't know what her category is, but her name is Umi. I, re- I love her new album, Forest in the City, that I have downloaded more songs off that album than probably any other album ever. That, and I've listened to it like on repeat. I love so many of the songs 
probably like 75% of them. Okay. How do you spell it? Just UMI? UMI. That's okay. her name. And then the album is Forest in the City. But she has other songs that I really, really like too. But yeah, I recommend going and checking her out. She's a great vibe for fall time. Driving through the mountains. If you're in Utah, her music, um, when I listened to her album Forest in the City, I like drove up to a lookout as I needed to listen to the album when it dropped because it's just like spiritual. Mm. Um, yeah. Favorite song off the album is either Sorry or Synergy. Both great. All right, I'll check that out. And uh, y'all are probably listening on Apple Music or Spotify, so just go check it out right, right now. Right, just go over and listen to it. So good. If you like like R&B, alternative, soul, kind of, she just, oh, that woman. I love her music. Love her voice. Nope. That's it. Okay. Thank you for joining us on the Black Menace podcast today. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Menaces. And make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, the Menace Society, where you can get bonus content from us on the podcast, as well as extra clips from our videos that we film. And don't forget to email us at blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com for menace moments or any other questions that you want us to answer because this show is for you guys thank you and remember always be a menace